0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, and I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss this subject from the Bible the Resurrection Gospel. We're going to be studying from the Old Testament, a text out of the Old Testament from the Psalms on the resurrection gospel. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today on our telecast, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course, and I'd like to emphasize this is a free course. Sometimes people call and they ask the operator, how much does it cost? Absolutely nothing. And they're amazed that we're not charging, but we want to make it available to you so that you can learn more about the Bible. That's our only reason for doing this. And in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course, let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non denominational, it's based on the Bible, it's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free
1: 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the 118th Psalm, beginning with verse 19 and reading through verse 24. Open to me the gates of righteousness, I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It was a thousand years before the resurrection of Jesus that that David prophesied of the opening of the new dispensation or the Christian era that there are five words in this prophetic psalm that foreshadow the gospel. David was both a psalmist and he was a prophet. It was on the day of Pentecost after having preached the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ from the dead that the apostle Peter in the 25th verse of Acts 2 said, For David speaketh concerning him. And then he quotes from David in the 16th Psalm. So he was God's inspired prophet. There are more quotations in the New Testament from David's Psalms than any other part of the Old Testament. And his prophecies pointed to the coronation of Jesus Christ they focused on the new king the new kingdom and the new dispensation and there are five words in this particular prophecy that we want to look at the first of those words is the word righteousness That word is found in verse 19. The word righteousness means justification or the state of being justified. The Jews had a system of righteousness, but it was not God's righteousness. In Romans, the uh, 10th chapter and verse 3, Paul said that they... Uh, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And so the gospel is that which reveals the righteousness of God. In uh, Romans, the first chapter, verses 16 and 17, Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God. That is, in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed. God did not reveal morality. The gospel did not reveal morality. It revealed righteousness. Righteousness. It was not a reference to God's character. We're talking here about something that God imparts. You would not know how to obtain righteousness had the gospel not revealed it. Therein is revealed, Paul said, the righteousness of God. In Galatians, the third chapter, and in verse 21, listen to what Paul wrote. Is the law... Then, against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But no man could be made righteous by that law. When David said, Open to me the gates of righteousness, He was looking beyond the walls of Judaism to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the second word that we want to look at in this particular uh, passage of scripture, these verses, bound in verse 21, is the word salvation. Salvation. The word salvation is used in different ways in the Bible. Sometimes the word is salvation is used in the sense of deliverance as it is used in Exodus the 14th chapter in verse 13 where Moses said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There he was talking about the children of Israel being delivered from Egyptian bondage and there that was the salvation of the people was their deliverance. Sometimes the word salvation is used in the sense of being saved. Like in Acts 2.21 where Peter is quoting a prophecy of Joel from Joel chapter 2 and verse 32, actually verse 28 to 32. and, And Peter quotes that prophecy and he says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So sometimes the word salvation is used in the sense of being saved. Sometimes the word salvation is used in the sense of pardon. Uh, Pardon is an executive act on the part of God. In Isaiah, the 55th chapter, listen to verses 6 and 7. Uh, Call upon the Lord while he may be found. Seek him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord... He will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So God is the one who pardons. Salvation then is used in the sense of pardon. It, and it also used in the sense of eternal life. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, the re, we read, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. So in verse 21, David talks about salvation. It's used in the sense of deliverance, in the sense of being saved, in the sense of being pardoned, and in the sense of eternal life. Now, the third word that we note in these verses from Psalms 118 is in verse 22, and it is the stone, the stone. Every time it is mentioned in the New Testament, it always applies to Jesus Christ. For instance, in Acts the fourth chapter and in verse 11, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which was become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So every time it is found in the New Testament, it always refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. It refers to the, to the stone. And Jesus Christ is that stone. In Matthew, the 21st chapter and verse 42, Jesus said, The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. There is a prophecy in the book of Isaiah about this in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. So every time the stone is mentioned here in the Bible, it has reference to Jesus Christ. Here in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Christ is referred to prophetically as the sure foundation as a tried stone as the stone is a precious cornerstone and it is upon this stone that the church is built in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 11 Paul said other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which is Christ Jesus And it is upon that foundation, upon that stone, that the church is built. In Matthew chapter 16 in verse 18, after Peter had confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said to him in verse 17, Blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood, hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then in verse 18 he said, For I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He said, Upon this rock I will build my church. church is not built upon Peter. It is not built upon a man. It is built upon that solid rock, Jesus Christ, the stone. It was upon the bedrock truth that Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God that the church was built. The stone. The stone. Now there's another word that's found in this psalm. Psalms 118. That's the word day. And that is verse 2. 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In a general sense, this refers to the whole gospel dispensation. It has application to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and to the church. And it is verified by Jesus, by Peter, and by John. Jesus said, this is the stone which the builders have rejected. It's become the head of the corner. And Jesus Christ became the head of the church. When did that happen? If you will read carefully the first chapter of Ephesians, especially beginning with verse 19 and reading to the end of that chapter, you will learn that Jesus was exalted to be the head of the church when He was raised from the dead. It is the day that the Lord has made that is talked about in this particular verse. It is the day the Lord made by the event of the resurrection. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The resurrection was on the first day of the week, Luke 24 and verse number 1. It takes an event to signalize a day. For instance, July the 4th is an important day to the American people. July the 4th stands for freedom and liberty. If I were to ask someone, what does July the 4th mean to you? They would say it means independence. They would say it means freedom. It means liberty. And this is the day, the first day of the week, that was made the possible to by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the day day of the new covenant, the new covenant day, the first day of the week, the day of the new dispensation. The first day is the memorial day of Jesus' death. He rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And verse 24 says, rejoice and be glad in it. This is the fifth word, rejoice. Jesus in His death fulfilled His mission on earth. He had a purpose in coming here. And His purpose was to carry out the will of His Father. In John 6 and verse 38, He said, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And when Jesus was praying to His Father in John the 17th chapter, He said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. And He finished that work. He died on the cross. He arose from the dead. And He ascended back to heaven. And amid the acclamation of myriads of angels escorting Him to the throne, He took his seat at the right hand of God. In Colossians, the third chapter, verse 1 and verse 2, Paul said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth, for your dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He's at the right hand of God and the crown of royalty was placed on His head. A scepter in His hand and here is the whole point. We're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it because of what Jesus did in coming to this world, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead and ascending to the right hand of God The gospel dispensation was begun. You and I are living in the age of grace today. We live in the Christian age, the gospel age today. And we can rejoice and we can be glad today because of what Jesus Christ accomplished in being raised from the dead on the first day of the week and ascending to the right hand of God. Yes, indeed, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We're going to rejoice, and we're going to be glad in it. When people become Christians, they have reason to rejoice. Philip was preaching to the man of Ethiopia, and he preached to him about Jesus. No doubt in preaching to him Jesus, he talked to him about his life, about his rejection, about his death on the cross of Calvary, about his burial in a tomb, about his resurrection from the dead, about his ascension to heaven and his expected return. He preached to him Jesus. And that which people need to hear today is Jesus. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ. And him crucified. We preach Jesus today. And as he went on his way, Acts 8, they came to a certain water. The eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. Let me ask you a question. Why did he do that? Why did he baptize him? He baptized him because Jesus, in giving the great commission, according to Mark's gospel, was this. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And this man said, I want to be baptized. And he went down into the water with this man from Ethiopia, and Philip baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he, that is the eunuch, did what? Went on his way rejoicing. And you and I can live a life of rejoicing today because of Jesus Christ because of the life that He lived, the death that He experienced on the cross of Calvary, because of His triumphant resurrection on the first day of the week, because of His ascension to heaven, and the fact that He's coming again someday. And every Lord's Day, we ought to be reminded of Psalms chapter 118 and verse 24. It is my firm belief that this verse is talking about the Lord's day. The day that He became the head of the corner. The day that Jesus Christ became the sure foundation. This is the day the Lord hath made. Man did make it, the Lord made it. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And you and I have so many privileges today. We have the privilege of serving the Lord today on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day, on the first day of the week, when His people gather together, they are coming together for the purpose of worshiping on that day. God, in John 4, 24, the Bible says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit And in truth, God is to be worshipped. Revelation 22 verse 9 says, Worship God. We're not to worship men. We're not to worship angels. We're not to worship anything other than the God of heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Worship God. And it is on this day that that David wrote about that we come together for the purpose of worshiping God. On that day, we worship Him in songs that we sing. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing singing, and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. So when we gather together on this day, on the Lord's day, the day the Lord has made, we come together to praise Him in song. Notice the classification of those songs. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We come together to observe the Lord's Supper which is a commemoration of the death and the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus instituted this supper, he said, This do in remembrance of me. Every Lord's day, God's people ought to have their minds go back to Calvary and to remember the sacrifice that was paid for them in the observing of the Lord's Supper. And then on the first day of the week, on the day the Lord has made, we come together to pray. We come together to to lift up our prayers to God as an incense, as it were, before His throne. And also, we come to give on the Lord's day as we have been prospered, as God has blessed us and, and oh, how He's blessed us richly. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store, which literally means put it into the treasury. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2. And also on the Lord's day, there's the teaching of the Word of God. Acts 2.42 talks about what early Christians did on the Lord's day. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that is, in the teaching of the apostles. So on the Lord's day, we worship God. And we worship Him because we love Him and we adore Him. As the week goes by and we begin to approach the first day of the week, we ought to do so with such anticipation in our hearts. We ought to do so with such an eagerness in our hearts to worship the Lord on that day. And then when that day arrives, We ought to say in our hearts, this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. I am so thankful to God that He's blessed me so richly. I'm so thankful that He has allowed me to live in the gospel dispensation." I'm thankful that He's allowed to live, me, live in the age where we have access to the spiritual blessings in the Lord Jesus Christ in the age where we can worship God on the day that God has designated. I want to thank you for watching today as we've talked to you about the, the gospel, the resurrection gospel. And we've talked to you from Psalms 118 study these things, meditate upon them, and in the final moments, may I encourage you and invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also, right now, before we go off there, air, please pick up the telephone, call the number that you have seen on the screen that, that tells you how to receive the free Bible correspondence course. Let me encourage you to do that today And I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, is my prayer.